Ladies and gentlemen from around the world, that's right, to our listeners in Ireland, the US, New Zealand, the UK, and of course, Canada, friends and fans of Chris, welcome to the Gift of Gaming podcast. Do you ever wish there was just more to a game, something that you could play once the credits rolled? Well, in this episode, we're in the end game now. It's me, it's your host on the Gifted Gaming Podcast, Darren Wade, and today I'm joined by my one and only brother, well actually I've got two brothers, but he's on the show today, Andrew Wade. Andrew, how are you keeping? <laughs> Not so bad, Darren. Good to, good to be here. Good, good. Uh, this was meant to be a show on the genre corner we were going to talk about survival, mm. but you know, life happens and people aren't available, so we've had to do a quick little switch up. And today's show we're talking about all things endgame. So we're going to look at uh, anything that comes into a game post-credits. Is it good? Is it bad? And then we might look, talk about some DLCs that we thought were good and some DLCs that we thought were bad. And uh, kind of, yeah, kind of things, talk about things that we, we enjoyed. Um, but before I go on, I thought I'd start the episode with go through our, our housekeeping. Um, we have a new Patreon. Andrew, would you believe? I, I know. We're up to, up to oh, two now. Up to two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. We're, 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 Thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, it's, we're, uh, we're making headsway. Uh, so a good shout out to, to Ian, who's, who's signed up. Ian, welcome aboard. Uh, for all those listeners out there, you can find our extra content at the gift of, or patreon.com forward slash the gift of game. And, and there is a bucket load of extra content there of us doing post shows, talking about competitive games, asking each other what if gaming questions, uh, looking at scenarios that happen in video games and talking about how we do things differently. There's loads of stuff there and it's a bit more relaxed and a bit more easygoing than our normal episodes here. Uh, but yeah, for the price of a coffee a month, all that extra content could be yours. And you get be to- a legend like Ian. You get to listen to us talking absolute nonsense. More, uh, more nonsense than absolutely, normal. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely more nonsense than normal. <laughs> uh, but before we get into it, um, Andrew, what have you been, how are you keeping? What have you been playing? Um, I have been burning through Diablo 4 at the moment. Mm. So Yeah, uh, Kev is, uh, Kev Brennan is a good bit through that with our, our dear friend Niall. Uh, I think the last time I spoke to him, they were on level 30-something. I saw them playing through a bit of the game. Looks great. It is fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's story. I mean, it's Diablo, so story. But uh, no, it's really good. Uh, I'm I'm liking the it, it's kept a lot of the stuff that kept Diablo three interesting for me kind of thing. So. When you say story, do you mean that it's it's there's not a whole lot to it because no, it's I mean, a Diablo it's, game? It has a good story, but I mean it's never and it it'll fill, fill into what we're talking about later on as well. Like with Diablo, it's always about get the story out of the way as fast as you can because all the fun comes later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've been trying to burn through the the story. But that's uh, a good shit to kick us off because Diablo would be famous for its. End game mm. content, you know, everything gets better and harder and more loot. Yeah, and this, it just, you, you, this difficulty isn't high enough. We got 15 more difficulties further along the line for you to test your thing out. Test your skills. I like and it. then you just come crawling back to that difficulty because you realize it was awful. awful and uh, where does Diablo 4 lie in amongst the other Diablos? Are you satisfied? Do you think it, it, it was worth the wait? Uh, well, so I only joined Diablo from Diablo 3, mm-hmm. so I've only that to go by. Um, and I played the shit out of Diablo 3. Um, I don't even want to know how long I spent playing that game. <laughs> just uh, a lot just of hours. A lot of hours, yeah. That's probably up there with my uh, No Man's Skies and Monster Hunters. My biggest disappointment with Diablo 4 was that when back in the day when Diablo 3, I don't know if it came out or had been out for a while, but myself, Craig, Niall and Kev, you know, I think, hmm. were the four of us that were playing it. Uh, and we were pumping a lot of hours into that. But the interesting thing about that was we were playing it on the Switch, I think. And yeah. all four of us were playing off a single Switch console. So only one person needed to own that game to do a four-player 
Cup. In this version of Diablo, you, you can, can do have a maximum of two yeah, on one thing, and then you need another console and this to do another two-player. There and are, it has to be online. There are a few things I don't like about this iteration. Um, one is the online aspect of it, which Diablo 3 was never... It, you could play it online, you play it with people online, but it was always a case of couch co-op. That was, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big movement in gaming that bothers me as a whole, the fact that you have to be forever online to play certain and, games. And there's certain just like single-player games, like single-player narrative games out there that exist, that it's like, oh, you know, no internet but this, connection. this is the thing as well like because so many people are trying to burn through the story as fast as they can because again diablo you go to the end game because that's where your your content lies kind of thing is that when you play it online it's almost impossible to play it with other players online because nobody wants to join a game that might be behind where they are mm-hmm. they just want to get theirs out of it so you've got little chat options where you can kind of go hi i need help that kind of stuff but for the most part you guys sorry no sorry sorry no and then they'll just port away to wherever part of the end they're in so for an online game i mean you spend a lot of time playing single player i was going to say and like and like to me a diablo game i mean i've only played diablo 3 and i've only played diablo 3 as a four-person game we only played it when the four of us met up and uh, it was a blast so yeah i can see why it might not be a whole lot of fun playing one player games yeah i mean like don't get me wrong like i i do love the diablo experience i mean even playing it as a single player like the difference now is that if you play diablo 3 it was all four of you on the screen at once and you all kind of followed each other along there. So you couldn't really, one person couldn't leave the screen because everyone else was dependent on the same screen to, yeah. to find each other, not on the PlayStation anyway. With this one now, I mean, you see lots of other players in the world around you as well. So you might yeah. go into a, a one of the events, so it might be like uh, free five uh, trapped souls in a graveyard. That's just one of the ones I keep coming across everywhere. Um, and like that you run in and like four or five other people and just pile in on it as well of all different classes and it just turns into chaos hilarious chaos yeah um, and it's a lot of fun but those moments are too brief okay there's no kind of and let's go to the oh they're gone already oh okay yeah. well, they, don't, to, they don't like back, this mission they're no out. back to solo walking halfway across the content to find the next mission yeah. well speaking of uh, solo experiences I uh, am currently about five to six hours into Final Fantasy 16 oh, is it as good as it looks it so it it is it is and it's not so it's not perfect so interestingly enough i'm a big fan of the kind of funny um just kind of funny podcast and 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 the guys over there one of the guys in particular tim gettys is uh i've been listening to him for for years but he kind of shares the exact same love for the exact same games that i do so he's a mm. big fan of the final fantasy series he loves smash brothers he must he's, love kingdom hearts he, he, he likes kingdom hearts <laughs> not as much as me andrew but there, i don't think there's anybody out there that loves kingdom hearts as much as me uh, but he came out and said in their review of it and uh, a small clip that i sent on to kev mm. for him to have a listen to because he's also gotten the game where he talks about it being now he doesn't know where it is in his favorites of final fantasy he, he was kind of saying he needs time to digest it mm. but he was kind of saying it's probably the best Final Fantasy game ever made and possibly up there with one of the best video games ever made. That's which a, is a crazy that's statement That's a bold statement considering they're the last Final Fantasy game. Well, was, I mean, remake... You're talking about 7 remake. Oh, no, I'm talking about 15. Oh, well, 15 was fifteen was a, a heap of... Um, <laughs> I mean, 15 had its good moments and if Kev was on this episode today, Kev Brennan, I'm sure he would be using 15's endgame as a good point of... Um, yeah, a good talking point because, in his opinion, it had great end game content. Uh, but no, I've been I'm like five hours into this, and what I love about it is narratively, which is what I'm all about in video games these days. It's it's huge. Like there is nonstop 
uh, cutscenes nonstop, just um, you know, narrative drops of what's going on in the world, and done like reasonably well, which I was excited for at the beginning because there was plenty of cutscenes. Yeah, cutscenes yeah. would go on for like you know, 10, 10, 12 minutes. It was like it's and it's got a real Game of Thrones vibe. That's the thing you'll hear being thrown out a lot. See, it's got real Game of Thrones vibes in terms of the backstabbing, the that's subterfuge, all that kind of. Just what you say there is about the cutscenes. That's one of the ones that concerned me because the last game I kind of played that had huge cutscenes like that was Metal Gear Solid 4. Well, which still, as far as I know, still holds the record for the longest cutscene in a video game. Was I'd that, be that, amazed that if anyone's beaten that. But, but the thing about it is is that the cutscenes in Metal Gear Solid 4, they were so much <laughs> like, oh, the Lala Lula Lo, and all that kind of nonsense stuff yeah. that you didn't really know what they were talking about. And they are just, like, there's loads of talking, but nothing's being said. Whereas in Final Fantasy 16, it is very concise. Mm. I mean... It's a fantasy world, don't get me wrong. They're, they're talking about crazy things and yeah, icons well, I mean, and like, people turning into summons. What the hell's a Moogle? Yeah, uh, yeah but, like... but it's it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. It's really engaging stuff. Um, but I almost, in my first five hours of playing it, have been like, is there a little bit Is there a little bit too much? I'm kind of, I want, kind of want a bit more action. And then you go into these quiet little village things where it's not cutscene heavy, but it's a lot of like talk to NPCs heavy. Mm. And they're kind of describing to you the world that you're living in and how things are. And I'm hoping it's just because I'm still very early on in the game that I'm getting a lot that, of this narrative stuff and a lot of this lore building and world building because I kind of want to... Just play. Just play and get into kind of the meatier stuff. You know, there's a lot of... I have I've just went through a village where I, like there was two or three NPCs that kind of forcibly stopped you and they were the main quest. They weren't yeah, yeah. doing side quests. And the main quests were kind of, you know, oh, go deliver this cloak to that man and he might recognize you for who you are and that's how we'll deliver some more of the narrative. And I'm like, I... I, I, I think, though, like, they did say that they wanted to go a completely different direction and they have with and this. I mean, that, that's that's obvious now looking at the... Yeah, and I don't want to go too far into it because I think myself, Craig and Kev, after doing the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth trailer breakdown, I think the three of us agreed that we'd love to do an early thoughts on Final Fantasy XVI yeah, over, yeah. The, over the next couple of weeks, which is something that we might do or look into. So I won't go into it too much. Um, but the battle system, the action in it is amazing. The I forget his name, but the guy who was the, the lead battle designer, hmm. who I think did a lot for... Uh, possibly i know don't quote me on this if i'm wrong email us at the gift of gaming at gmail.com but the gift of gaming podcast at gmail.com you I'm were never, so close i'm never gonna get these <laughs> things right um but he possibly either worked on Final fantasy 15 or devil may cry because there's mm. a crossover it's the creative unit who did um Final fantasy 14 sorry excuse me the online one and then there's a team from devil may cry that came in to do to help so it's a kind of a, a mashup and it's definitely got devil may cry vibes in terms of the the style of fighting but in the best of ways yeah like I, he, he came I, out and said that this this battle system in this game is his masterpiece yeah like i played the demo and like you do get to play a bit of the the combat and that as well and then the, they have the once you finish the the story part of it you do get through that challenge thing afterwards as well the yeah which the, actually you know and i still haven't gotten to that stage where you have all those extra abilities and things like that but that was fun to do a fun to experience kind of what and the the fights are are so cinematic and so enjoyable so yeah and i'm looking forward to it like i said i'm into it i'm loving it i have heard amazing things to hear tim come out and say mm. it's the greatest fan fantasy game ever created it's one of the greatest video games that ever created my jury is out on that one yeah uh, i don't know where i stand yet but again i'm i'm, I'm only like five six i mean I, i'm now kind of entering 
the open world possibly i've kind of just done that the the Final fantasy 7 midgard you know yeah I mean? so like you, the get, game you is get to experience the to the gameplay as such as not the overbearing not, story yeah the not, not where you're being yeah. handheld through here's what's happening in the in the world now, yeah. I, now i'm at the part where it's off you go so i think i'll be able to make my judgment on that and people have said that as the game goes on it does just continuously get better so i'm looking forward to that aspect but enough on that andrew we yes, have indeed. an episode uh <laughs> you know 15 minutes later or whatever else we to stroll talk about. off until the realms of a uh, yeah so we said we're going to talk about um, endgame content. So we're going to define endgame content as um, what the game gives to you once credits roll. Hmm. And we said we're going to talk about good endgame content and bad endgame content and also look at kind of DLC, good or bad. And DLC for me, it doesn't have to be DLC. That's, that's uh, I'm not talking about fucking like, you know, uh, we're not talking about uh, DLC that you download for different skins for characters, nothing like that. I'm talking about like, no cosmetics, you know, no cosmetics, just just additional gameplay to the game, additional story, additional areas, additional maps, whatever it might be, just to, to continue the gameplay mm. and good and bad DLC as well. So I guess do you wanna do you wanna start off with a with a game? Well, I mean, you have I'm sure you probably brought to the table good and bad end game. Right? Oh yeah, no, I mean I've got one that I think everyone can agree was quite possibly the one of the worst. Oh end shit, game we're starting contents. bad. Okay, well, yeah. no, I, we, no, no, we'll, go we'll for it. No, go for I'll, it. I'll get out of the way first because yep. it's again, it is a game I absolutely love and I get so much stick for saying that, but I mean, it's... So it's a game you love, but the, even the end game content was oh, bad. Oh, even I have to admit the end game content. It, it, not that it was bad. It didn't exist. All right, there was, okay, so it was supposed to be there and then just never was there. So what game are we talking about? Anthem. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> for those who can't see my brother's face, the look of absolute disgust has been... Uh... Well, no, but I think, you know, I mean, fair is for you to sticking it out to the end game, but am I surprised that you were disappointed? No. No, I mean... Was but I, what, was, what was so disappointing about Anthem's end game, quote unquote? I put well, that yeah, I mean, that's for it, it's game in general was... Uh, so, like, with Anthem, I mean... It had the flight mechanics were some of the best I've ever played in a game. The graphics were incredible, and the story at the start really pulled you in. I was like, okay, this this kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, like, it was it was genuinely decently done, and I enjoyed the kind of thing. I know, like, looking back on it now, you start to realize there was a lot of plot holes and stuff was missing from it. But it's not even the plot holes. It's that it's it's that same kind of issue that we would have had with, um, I suppose, Cyberpunk or No Man's Sky. Just things were promised to consumers that were never oh yeah delivered. yeah 100 yeah. i mean this was a case of like the game we got was nothing like the game we were promised yet and yeah. again as such what you see with a lot of games uh, lately now as well mm-hmm. um but like this as well it was supposed to be you know you get to the end and you've you've saved um you say everyone you happy days you've, you've gotten rid of the monitors the big evil dude kind of thing and the anthem is still going and these creatures from the beyond are supposed to be returning and they've managed to sneak back into your world and this oh god grand yeah we get to fight these guys and they look cool like the the reveal at the end you get to see these these creatures that you're gonna be fighting kind of thing and then nothing and he, everyone kind of sat in this world where we've done everything we can do what can what's left uh pick up these things that are dotted so sporadically all across the map that you spend the rest of your life looking for them mm-hmm. and that was it it's like okay well we so, can still fly around and, comp- and continue missions like yeah you can repeat the missions but as the game kind of shut down because you saw the backlash that Anthem had in the end, yeah. rightly so. I mean, as much as I love that game, the backlash it got was 100% deserved. It was atrocious. Mm-hmm. But as more and more, you see more and more people leaving the game. And like, I, I still play it on occasion. A lot of people do still play it. Like, I think, oddly enough, I had a huge amount of players there playing it recently. I think it must have been launched for free or something. There's like 20,000 people playing it at one point. It like, went oh on. God, people. <laughs> I was almost convinced to try it because I think it went on sale at one point. 
for I mean I could be wrong, but it was on PlayStation Store for under three years. Oh, it was for a while. It was free. It was if you have the EA Game Pass, it was free. Yeah, I have that because my son Max likes to play a couple of games that the EA Game Pass card, like Battlefront Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. So got that for him. Um, And then Anthem appeared up on it again, and I had the disc version of Anthem, and I got so unbelievably fed up with it that I just got rid of it. That's probably one of the few games that have actually just not quite snapped the disc, but just you know, uh, to hell with you kind of thing ever again. Um, but then it came free and I still had all the data on the PlayStation figured, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll play it again. And it's like that again. You get to the end game, eh, end game, and it's just desolate. And because there's so few people playing it now, you, again, like those games, you can't play it solo anymore. It has to be logging into the server to I play mean, it's, the game. it's such a risk and I think there's a lot of talk because PlayStation are kind of moving in that direction where, uh, what is it, like gaming as a service as opposed, like, you know, having these yeah. games that are constantly being updated. And unfortunately, with games like that, they can just die a death. And not just die a death, meaning that like people don't play, but become unplayable because people aren't playing. Oh, 100%. Like, I, like, I mean, one thing that terrifies me, because I, I, I would love to retire into Final Fantasy fourteen around oh, the board. 100%. I'd love to retire yeah. into that game, and I worry that like the servers will all be dead and gone by the time I get to that age. But, you know, it's, it's sad in a way where they're doing that with other games. I mean, Avengers was such an epic failure and oh, I, Aven- I never I- even bought that, but I'm, I'm, I'm so devastated. It was a failure, but they made the absolute wrong choice to make that as a, as a like, as a and service. again, like I got that game and I, 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 thankfully I'd learned from my pre-order mistakes with the likes yeah. of Anthem and stuff that never pre-order game. So I did get that game after the thing and people were saying, Oh yeah, that was really good. Really good. But I must've bought it just as people started to realize, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah this yeah, isn't as good as everyone's here. making it out to be. Yeah, so like as you said, once once people are on the game, it's not. Yeah, I mean, like you could spend now 10, 15 minutes waiting to get into a game and then realize you're the only one there because everyone else has left. Uh, and then you're flying around. There's, it's a beautiful world, but it's empty. Yeah. Like there's there's very few active time events anymore, kind yeah. of where things pop up. There's very few people. There's no one, basically. You might get And open worlds, you know, it's with the technology that we have when we're on, you know, the next, well, I mean, we're kind of in the middle of the next generation's life cycle. If you believe Mm. what people are saying about when the next console should be coming out but open worlds because other companies have achieved it and like rockstar did it years ago with red dead redemption 2 open worlds should feel completely lived in you know they should they should never unless your game is designed to be desolate yeah they should never feel desolate and And there's a lot of games that are coming out that do feel yeah i mean this game was designed so that you know you and your mates could land in basically really of all your iron man fantasies in whatever way you see fit land in and just cause absolute chaos together now it's case you fly around, you might find three or four creatures running around, land down, kill them because you're God-powered at this stage because you've been playing it for so long. I'm talking about myself, by the way. <laughs> play for far too long. And then you fly off again to just fly around this world where nothing happens and no one visits. And it's like, yeah. it's, again, I love the game, but it's so sad to see that's what its end game is. Absolute just silence. Yeah. It's just nothing. I think, you know, talking about that, em- that kind of um, empty world... Uh, versus kind of full open world kind of lived in thing i guess that'll bring it to to, to mine and i'm, I'm going to go on end game but the end game is essentially dlc so mm. and i'm going to do a, a compare and contrast because the these two are, are very comparable i'm going to talk about the horizon series so Ooh, for yes. horizon forbidden west or for, sorry for horizon zero dawn the first one that came out credits rolled you finished the game and you could go off and do all your side missions and do all your collectibles but then there was uh, an extra missions that or a dlc that came out uh, called the frozen wilds mm where you could go further up north to the Banuk tribe. Um, and it was a big enough extra map, but the quests were really engaging. The Banuk as a tribe were, who were credited in mystery before were still kind of credited in mystery in this, but like you became part of that tribe and learned 
um, those bits and pieces about them. But the quest was quite, you know, it, it was engaging. The whole mm. end, because you, you'd finished, credits had rolled. Uh, and it was quite engaging. A couple of new weapons, a couple of new costumes, but also a good chunk of storyline. And I'm not saying this this world was completely full because it, you were you were in like the the northernmost territories, mm. which are like the most uh, severe to live in in terms of like the winter and the snow and the cold. It's it's a really desolate, hard place to live. But even that, I I really enjoyed that map. It wasn't huge. It was to me it was the right size and just a good quality um, end game. And then we get. Horizon just, Forbidden West. Just from that yeah. as well, because it was great to see with that as well, because Silence as well, he gets all the Banuk uh, implant things yes. they get. Yeah, exactly. And it's always throwing down, oh yeah, so, but you never really see them in the game. So you have that and kind of see you know, what Silence thought was so amazing for them that he'd go and become there. It was a shaman he became for them. Yeah, he was a shaman for them. And But he, again, that whole thing about him and the Banuk was still shredded in mystery. You never, even though I finished that game, and like I platinumed um, Horizon Zero Dawn and the mm. DLC, um, but some people really kind of, I think, liked um, Silence and other people... Um, did not like him at all. Didn't like him at all. So he obviously had quite an effect. But again, it's that shred and mystery. It's that whole mm. lead up to, oh, what will the sequel do with this character? But it was a really, really good um, DLC, really good end game, extra stuff, a couple of new um, monsters, machines mm. to fight. Uh, but really well, really well put together. And I enjoyed the storyline of it. Now fast forward to Forbidden West, mm. the PS5 Horizon, which was like one of the most incredible looking games ever and the original game although there's parts of it that i didn't agree with i'm not saying mm. didn't agree with but didn't enjoy i'm not saying i mean decisions decisions that were made were fine uh but an amazing looking game they brought out the dlc called the burning, burning shores. shores yeah and i have to say very disappointed with that as dlc really? yeah to me so in that game one of the things that bothered me is they had this thing where I think it's the idea, and spoilers here for people who haven't played the games, um, so switch off now if you want to play Horizon kind of clean, but the idea that these guys, would, you know, th- these people who went off on, I forget what the ship's name was called, and uh, the spaceship's name, but they discovered how to become immortal and they lived for a thousand years and came back. I've no kind of, well, I do and I don't have an issue with, with, with that as a, as a narrative piece. But it was this this thing where you go through the game, the you know, before you play the DLC hmm. as, as Aloy and you find out that Ted Farrow built a monument to himself. Which, to be fair, going with it sounds exactly what he would have done in life anyway. Yeah, but it's to me, it's like... It was, you know, like like a, an Egyptian pyramid type thing. He had the statue, like the pharaohs of old was his was his kind of thing. Mm. And I didn't really, be, like, I, what to me it wasn't, I mean, listen, the story's an apocalyptic <laughs> future. But even to me, in that world, that wasn't overly believable that he would have gone and done that afterwards. Because, you know, by the end of... Um, Zero Dawn, you kind of discover that he's gone a bit Lula anyway. So yeah. uh, would he have had the capabilities and the resources to go and build this before the world crashed? I don't really know. Uh, but I and think then, when you look at that, though, he, I, he, he was like he controls everything. Like he controls like, the entire military at that point. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, true, yeah, so, I mean, like, I think don't think funding was his uh, but I major. Think this idea of people um, bowing down. So. We had the Banuk tribe in the first mm. game. Really interesting culture, kind of delved into a bit more, and just, just it's to me at least very enjoyable. And in the Burning Shores, we had the Quen. Yeah. And the Quen just, and whatever way they did it with these Quen, like because the, you meet the Quen in the main game, and they're quite interesting in terms of they're very uh, reserved. You meet a, one of the Quen who ends up joining your team, who's really into knowledge and everything like mm. that, and she's quite an interesting character. 
But I didn't really enjoy the Quen as a tribe at all in the Burning Shores. And the part of me that bothered, part that bothered me the most was as beautiful as the game looked, that was such an empty map. Yeah, no, Nothing I would agree. Nothing was happening on that map. The only joy I got from that was, and I had to force myself to do it. It wasn't as, a, oh, the game is naturally bringing you to this mm. part. It was just loads of islands dotted around the place. And the only thing that I got any joy from was, which I never did in, the, in the, either of the full other games, because yeah. there was so much other stuff to do, but I felt like this, this DLC was really lacking that I was forced to go and look for other things to do, and I would find um, messages left behind by other people and the messages in this one are a little bit darker because they're all about the, the like literally the end, the of, end the of the world yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. whereas other, in the other messages where people just having chit chat and like dating and normal life stuff but knowing that there was something wrong whereas in this one all everyone this, knew something was yeah, gone yeah like they're all in the middle of a battle and a war and people are figuring stuff out and it's all horrific so I, that kind of stuff was very much you know from the lore building side was very very good but mm. it, that that world was so empty and that boss was such a a character devoid of sort of anything that I found in any way interesting. Yeah, I mean, all. like, don't get me wrong. I think the whole thing about, uh, like, you love to see the, the mechanical creatures within Horizon. Like, it's part of what makes it the world it is kind of thing. Yep. But was it the, uh, what do they call the, the metal devils? They have a... The horse. The horse, yeah. Like, those things should have only ever been a backdrop. I think the mystery behind them and how they worked was kind of like, you know, something, you know, they have this terror of these creatures that are now embedded in the mountainsides kind of thing. But to see that thing moving around and stuff, I found it just kind of took a bit away from them. It and just seems like, look at me, look at me. But a girl with a bow and arrow can take it down. Yeah, yeah. So like you, you've got one girl with a bow and arrow on a flying um, uh, bird machine and you on the ground with a bow and arrow. And you're managing, you're managing to take down this machine that back in the day was... Wiped out civilization. Was, yeah desolating places. Yeah. So for, you know, again, they went too far in it and like... It, and I always felt that the horse would have been in a game, but I would have loved for the horse to be in the end of Horizon 3 and uh, it takes everybody that you've met out on the battlefield with loads of new tech. And it's already wiped out half of what you know kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like it's... to beat it. Whereas this thing, and I know they say, oh, well, he was still, you know, they, they, they did the cop out where it's like, oh, well, they're still building up some of the, it's still, it's still having it's still powering up. up. It's yeah, still yeah, powering yeah. up, whatever else. But even still, it, it just, so for me, you know, Forbidden West or um, the Frozen Wilds versus the Burning Shores are two examples of DLC that I think are done well and not done well. And what's sad is, is that Horizon Forbidden West is such an amazing game. Graphically, it looks so good. I was really anticipating good DLC for that game to continue on the good work that yeah. they had done. Like I said, I'm a little bit unsure about where the game is going. But for the most part, the journey was great. And the journey in the DLC for the Burning Shores is not... It's just an empty would world. I, would I be right in saying, though? Because I think... I had to kind of like look back on it after I finished it and kind of thing because I had the same kind of feeling. Like I finished it, and I was like, "Oh," but what I think I found was that graphically, it was beautiful. Story-wise, I really enjoyed it. But once I finished it, unlike like every like I played Burning Wilds uh, or and I played um, Burning Shores or, and sorry Frozen Wilds. Uh, Jesus, I played Frozen Shores and I've done it again, haven't I? Burning Frozen. Shores. <laughs> Frozen Excuse Wilds. me while I uh, reboot my brain here. <laughs> Um, yes, that one, the cold one. Yeah. Um, I played that, and I played obviously Zero Dawn and um, the New Horizon. Um, oh my god, my Forbidden po- West. There we go. <laughs> but of all of those, I've come back to the world. I've I've come back to play it again and kind of like explore and thing and do all the little bits and pieces. But I noticed when Bernie Shores came, I'm like, I got it. Um, I didn't. I never went back to. I, I finished it, and that was it. Because like, oh, yeah. that's that's grand. And then such, went straight back to playing. Yeah, it's so, such it's such an empty world. Like you went back to the map in. 
I went back to the map in um, yeah. 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 There's, nothing, there's nothing in Burning Shores, and as beautiful as the game looks, it is seriously devoid of yeah. any life. And I, interestingly enough, I didn't do a whole lot of investigating in terms of just going around looking and doing the collectibles in the map until I finished the storyline. And what's very interesting is that I would say about sixty percent of the map by the time I finished was the storyline no was, was 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 uncovered oh okay and just left there with, with nothing to do on it apart from maybe find a collectible and that's what bothered me about it is that you know from a developer's perspective why would you waste why would you waste so much effort on building because the map to me is too big for, for the storyline that they decided to take the map to me is too big and you revisit a couple of areas on that map I think a lot I think a problem with that map as well is that there's so much water and another thing, which, uh, which you know, it, it, it fits into the narrative of like the Quen came across the water, and of yeah. course, that's it's, a, it's kind of like the, the island in that kind of thing where they are yeah. as well. But when you look at, say, the likes of um, Forbidden West, a lot of the exploration you do, yeah, it's nice to find the big pools of water going out by the, the sea and stuff to explore, but a lot of the places you explore, you can't fight underwater. Yeah. You can't fight on water. In fact, once you're in water, all you can do is swim. Which so was that, a really uh, annoying part in the last the fight with the horse because he's out on the beach and if you because I, I had my camera facing up at him so often I, at times I didn't see where I was running. Oh, I ran into the water so many and times. And I have a bomb or a thing ready to fire and all of a sudden Aloy's swimming and I can't do anything and I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. so yeah, it's d- disappointing in that I feel the developers did a great job of making it look beautiful, but a lot yeah. of it's just wasted space. I think, and I think if condensed, if we, yeah, if we had of had the option of you know some form of water combat or water traversal that wasn't entirely dependent on flying on your it's not the sun wing what's the one that can actually go the underwater water wing. the water wing so obviously like that was nice you could go underwater but there was still you were so limited in what you could do yeah. regarding water and because water took up so much space in this map it may as well have just been you know blocked yeah. off bordered out you couldn't get to it kind and of it thing. seemed real so they did this thing at the start of the game at the start of the dlc to stop you just getting because you can fly you can have uh, flying yeah. mounts by the time you get here to stop you flying around the whole map at the start so you can actually follow the trail at the beginning they have this weird they have this weird tower thing that that she, and like it, that becomes obsolete so quickly it's a real shoehorn we're not, it's it's like a a gta 3 we've closed all the bridges because of a storm yeah. so we can't go to the other islands kind <laughs> the of sto- the storm is here for an inordinate of time we'll let you know yeah. when it goes away which is a really like, yeah, interesting right. you know i was kind of like oh, i thought we're past that but yeah so i think that's an example of very very good dlc and i'm not saying the bringing chores is bad dlc it's not bad dlc but they've interestingly enough that the one that they had prior was better yeah you know i think they they, they learned their lesson um so i've gone through a good and a bad you've gone through a bad you've got a, a good end game yeah i mean and again it goes back to what we were discussing before the podcast started, like what actually classes end game mm-hmm. i think dlc we will include as oh, that is end game stuff you play after you've finished oh, I hope so, because i've just talked about DLC. yeah I, other, otherwise we're screwed <laughs> for this podcast we might just close the podcast off now um no and it's one close to my heart i know it's close to your heart as well realm of born oh yeah good shit yeah yeah because that i mean you finish the main game of that you finish uh realm of born you go through it that's grand again amazing story absolutely fantastic um and it's something we discussed it when we first played it, such a rush and not in a good way getting to the end of the game because it was a case of you're just chasing people who have already burned through cutscenes and stuff so yeah to kind of put that in perspective for those who haven't played realm of born i was very late to the party in terms of finishing that game i hopped on realm of born kind of early on when it came out but late to finishing the game and the problem with those where you need people to join a quest to finish a quest the end of the game the dungeon i I mean it's not exactly a dungeon but they're called dungeons they're called raids whatever when you call them you need a certain amount of people to do it and the last two missions in that game were very cutscene heavy but the problem was initially people weren't signing up to do so the only way i can do it is if i get 
you know, two tanks, two healers and four DPS. And that's the only way we can finish the mission. But no one online was hopping on to do those last two missions anymore because they were so cutscene heavy and you couldn't finish them. So why am I going to go back and, and redo the, the cutscenes? But I only got to the end of the game when they had fixed that. And their fixing of that meant that people could just skip the cutscene and run ahead. So <laughs> I was sitting there. You and me were playing. You, you got me to the end of the game and you and me were playing through it. And I finished the first cutscene. And the moment I finished it, I was rushed right into a second cutscene because the people had gotten off to another part. Yeah, I think by that point I was saying, we're already in the next battle. Where are you? Yeah. I was like, I think I've still got I'm another still three watching. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> finished the second cutscene, got out, was at the start of the, the world. Now they gave like little portals that you could um, fast forward mm. to. Fast forward to the end fight, ran in there, missed all of the chatting that happens in, in game. Yeah. And before I even got to the battle, um, the team and, and you had killed that person and that was the end of the mission. And it was, it was quite funny. But yes, that game... Um, is amazing for yeah the DLC. and it is and it's it's one of those games like you need to have retired to play properly or not have a job in the first place or a family or any form of commitment whatsoever <laughs> and it's it's a game that i it's still saved on my playstation and uh, i toggle same. past it sometimes and i'm like god i would give anything to just have like a, a and that's the thing a year of my life to devote yeah. nothing but time to this because it's it's a game that's worth devoting the time to but no one had well i mean like it's you, one of you've those got kids and a wife and a job and we like it's because it's so time consuming it is never. and it's one of those ones that i mean like i've gone back to it many many times and i've tried playing it again but the most fun i had playing that game was when like yourself and kev and pete and stuff were playing it as well um because that was most fun because you're actually playing through the story together kind of thing. Now, I know we had a few moments where we were jumping back and forth between, you know, oh, I'm much further than you, so I'll jump in your game. We'll play catch up to whoever's up to the next one. Yeah. But even still, I mean, experiencing all those stories kind of thing and doing those battles uh, were just absolutely amazing. And what's okay. insane about this game is now, I mean, we, we you get a credit roll yeah. uh, finishing Realm Reborn and Realm Reborn goes on to the DLC, which is called Heaven's Ward, which goes on to the DLC that was called... God, I'm I'm struggling because there's been so many of them at this stage. It's been great. There's there was like the the one that introduced like the monks and the whatever else, and then there was something else, and now there's Endwalker, which is the final piece. But just to put it in perspective, to show like this game came out in 2010, mm. 13 years later, they're so still yeah. well. I mean, Endwalker. I think that I think Endwalker is the, the last, end of, but they're yeah, still yeah. supporting it and putting out new active time events and everything like that into the game. But I think 13 years later, it's still being supported. And, uh, and what I love, you can still go into it and see. Like I I only jumped into it there. I think. Oh, I'm going to say two months ago, mm -hmm. just to see, you know, have is it worth playing kind of thing? And it is. It's 100%, it's 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100% is, yeah. But the problem if you is, have the time. yeah, if you have the time. And I mean, I jumped in and there's always, um, there's like the pirate town of Limsa Laminsa, um, which was always my favorite one to go to because anytime you warp in there through the main crystal, it is just packed with people. I mean, like you cannot move for this actually dance floor people who are literally just doing that they're, everyone's there to dance show off their costumes and yeah. thing. no one's actually doing any gameplay they're just there to show off kind of well stuff. i think as a as a community it's probably one of the, the nicest communities that i've ever experienced in that By i was far and away yeah. yeah i was playing that game with you for ages and uh i think you stopped playing it for a time and i was continuing on by myself so i was like god i'd love to you know to get chocobos a certain kind of chocobos in that <laughs> game you needed to have a house you had to have a house and you had to have a plot where you could plant particular 
uh, crops greens, to grow it, yeah. and you had to grow a specific type with a specific manure to get a specific. So I you w- had to feed enough of these to yeah, yeah, yeah. get it, it. Oh, it's just. But I went on to 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 Reddit or some forum and, and found a group that were looking for people and asked them could I join, and I did, and I did, and it was lovely. Like I did missions with them. I went to the house; they were all there to greet me. <laughs> they gave me a, a here's your room, here's a few items to decorate it if you want. We're going off to do a raid here. Would you like to join us? All that kind of stuff, you know, and real chatty, and then. I left to go to um, on the rally and then moved mm. to New Zealand for a little bit. So I didn't touch that game for like two, three years. But I was still part of their guild. And, and, that, and I logged on two and a half years later. And the moment I logged on, I got a little ping to say that you have post from your, from your Moogle. And I mm. went over and I opened the letter. And there it was, the head of the guild, the lovely fellow who introduced me was like, oh, you know, my, my character was called Riri or something like that. Riri on yeah. or something. And he was like, Riri on, oh my God, it's, it's so good to see you. We were worried something happened how's life been treating you are you well like would you like to come back you know and just uh, just just checking in on me and i was yeah. like my god like it's what, just a, what everyone... a nice group of people here you know but that's it because like i when i first played i think i jumped onto it before you guys had started playing it kind of thing because i was on it for a good i think i was near the end the end game of um realm reborn when you guys jumped on um and i remember like that i was playing solo for so long and yeah. then i was doing one dungeon like that and I just bumped it, just random because every dungeon was random. You didn't know who you're going to get thrown up with. And I played as a healer in that game for forever and a day, kind of thing. So I jumped in, and I had no clue what I was doing for this one. I, I, any dungeon, you kind of need to read up on it before you do it for the first time, because if you're a healer, you screw up, everybody dies. Yeah. And generally, like, there's people who will be nice, but I mean, there's a level of niceness. Well, will I think be everyone's when... nice to start of the game, but if you log on and they see that you're a certain level and you're not performing, it's oh yeah, level, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, expectation. Yeah, but like that, and that, like that, the the league I was playing is one of the was it the Lalafell, the little the yeah, tank? my that was that was what my dude was yeah. yeah. But he was playing as a tank, which was always hilarious because he got this tiny little midget of a thing that was just Man, absolutely beasted out of it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like that, I was getting like guided run throughs of how to do it, and the two DPS were helping out as well. It was just forest run through it, and at the end of it, it was like, uh, "Have you been playing this game on your own a while?" I was like, "Yeah, no, I've since I started." I was like, "Do you want to join our clan?" Or just there's just a few of us. I was with them for about. I'd say two years mm. playing away with them. And like that as well, I think at one point there was a... One of them wanted to get a double-seated Chocobo. And the only way you could do that was to marry someone in the game. So you had to get this... Go, go through this whole ceremony thing. I figured, you know God. what? Screw it. We'll do it for the laugh. And it turns out we both got the Chocobo in the end. But like that, it was like, you do the whole marriage and the whole clan turned out. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's like, what have I become? Such a, um, such a nice uh, community in that game. And I think the reason the community is so nice is because what the DLC has done, what the like, developers have done with the DLC for that game has made it easier for the community to be nice because it's, mm. they have been forgotten. Uh, it's constantly being updated in, in newer, better ways and, and you know, quality of life um, improvements all the time. Yeah, that game's up there with... And like I said, you know, 13, well, I mean, 12 years, basically, yeah. of DLC. And, like, big, big expansions. Like, massive, huge expansions. Massive expansions. So one, I think one of them itself was actually bigger than Realm of Born. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, you're talking yeah. about DLCs that are bigger, bigger than, than the, the game, game itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, But, yeah, still, still have to finish it. Still haven't... I think I'm on... No, and I, I only... I've, like, they have five DLCs, like, five big things. So Endwalker's the last one. I never even finished the second one. That's yeah, no, I, I got as far as the second last one, which was Shadow Shadow Walker, I think, and Shadow something anyway, mm-hmm. um, which was dark, which was really dark, um, yeah. but really good. But I think I got towards the end of that, um, stopped playing it for ages, and Walker came out, and I kept going, oh, well, I won't do it, and then I went back into it, and they've changed the the way the game plays so much that it's like, you nearly need to start again. 
was like, I can't do that. I've got like all my professions up to such high levels. Yeah. If I start again, I'll just cry. And again, doing it solo because like the guild I was with all that time, they long since disbanded. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was like, no one... I can't do this. Yeah. Things I'd need. It's a case of you. You need friends. To yeah, that's what I love. Game. I'd love to retire. Uh, yeah. you know, with, with a couple of mates and just play that game forever. It'd be amazing. When VR becomes such a thing, you <laughs> yeah, just live, live in the, the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go on to kind of uh, end game that I uh, really enjoyed, and it would be remiss of me not to mention this game, uh, but Kingdom Hearts. You haven't mentioned them in a while, all right? So I yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I haven't, haven't mentioned them. But no, Kingdom Hearts had, and I'm going to go specifically for one, Kingdom Hearts 1, because it was at a time where I wasn't always on the internet. Uh, it was at a time where it wasn't easy, always that easy to find out certain things. So I rolled credits on Kingdom Hearts 1, and kind of, you know, I could see that there was, you know, the ultimate weapon hmm. uh, that you could get uh, synthesized by Huey, Dewey, and Louie, you know, the oh, Donald Duck's <laughs> nephews or whatever, uh, as, as playing as Sora. But then I went into, you know, I was going into certain, um, revisiting certain worlds to hmm. get certain items. Now, I had no idea there was any endgame content in this game at all. I thought I just rolled credits and that was it. And now I'm, now I'm just doing the, the completionist side of things. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, rocked into Neverland, you know, Peter Pan's place, mm. and flew to this area that I didn't realize existed before. It was like, you know, now I can fly, I can go up here. Yeah, yeah. And it was a clock tower, and all of a sudden there's a cutscene, and it's me versus this kind of Grim Reaper-esque fella. An incredible boss fight. So not, not Final Fantasy VII weapon difficulty of endgame boss yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like fighting the Emerald or the Ruby weapon yeah, or anything yeah. like that, but incredibly challenging fight. And I was like, interesting. So, uh, you know, it didn't meet him in my first one, but I was like, I wonder what else is here. And then went off to Agrabah and found there was another boss, you know, a very Arabian kind of crab looking thing. Mm. Incredibly challenging as well. So the end game of Kingdom Hearts essentially just consisted of... Random bosses spread really out. Really random the... boss fights. But, and, you know, Kingdom Hearts 2 perfected it because the battle system in Kingdom Hearts 2 was, in my opinion, one of the most fun and balanced battle systems in mm. any game going. Um, but it was fun to experience that in Kingdom Hearts. And I can't talk about endgame content like positive endgame content mm. without talking about the Colosseum's oh, platinum match and just, just because again <laughs> and like I had nothing spoiled for me it was all from this this first time experience of going through this game and getting to the Colosseum and, and being oh I didn't actually finish all the matches here. Yeah. I, I'll do that and get the 100% for this game and then all of a sudden seeing there's a thing that this you know it says platinum match and it's four question marks as to, to who the enemy is and I was like oh, interesting I'll go in there and running into the, you know, you get a cutscene when you run in there, and the sky's all purple. Um, it's just sorry. You don't have Donald and Goofy. And I was like, what? What is this? And I remember Graham was sitting beside me, uh, watching me when I first went into that. And, you know, a big, like this kind of big dark, this ball of like dark matter appears above the Colosseum's arena. And then it blows up, and you just see that one wing fly. Yeah, and it's like, was dun, like dun, 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 dun. And you get that one wing danger music. And I was like, my God, this game even has a Sephiroth fight that was insanely difficult. Yeah, to you spent so much time trying to beat that. And it was, you know, one of the most satisfying things Kevin's, you know, he's, I think I brought this up once before, but beating him on a relatively low level, all things considered, like level, I think it was 57, 58, but Kev is going to be just maxed hating, out, hating maxed, this. Yeah, yeah, but he maxed out all his characters at <laughs> levels 100, still couldn't beat him, so there was a massive joy in that. But that was my, that was my first really experience of endgame content because I think I was probably, when I was getting into all this side of things, I was probably only about 12 or 13 playing through this and kind of realizing that was like oh hey there's there's more stuff here that i can that i can play and it's all positive you know um the world's already there there's no no additional places to go but when you go back to certain places things have changed a little bit and there's a boss here or there's new items here 
and just kept me playing. And like I said, that Sephiroth fight alone would have me saying that Kingdom Hearts 1 has incredibly good endgame content. So, yeah, I couldn't go without uh, without popping that in there, Andrew. So. No, that, that's fair, because I don't think I can finish this episode off without mentioning my all-time favorite one for DLC. You, is, is this your next one, no, no Man's Sky? Oh, of course it's No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. <laughs> Take it away. You might as well. If we're talking about our, our, our uh, all-time I, favorite yeah, games. I, I cannot, cannot go without mentioning like the fact that like that game now to be fair again it's it could have been so like anthem like it, it was and had gone the same way like that game a played, great redemption story. oh insanely good redemption story and something i wish could have happened for the likes of anthem as well but that's not to be now but no man's guy i mean the story in that was bizarre it's probably the best way of putting it like okay. it, was, it was a like in, the actual campaign storyline yeah, yeah so the campaign story was like i won't go too much into it because like a lot of people are joining no man's guy for the first time now especially with all the, the dlcs coming out and the expeditions coming out and it's very kind yeah just ruined horizon for everybody well yeah. no i mean yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> with this as well like it's with no man's guy you do get a sense of uh satisfaction from having completed the story and find out because it is it's a lot like what Dark Souls, kind of thing, the way Chris would explain the games, is that a lot of it is there for you, but a lot of it you kind of have to figure out and you're kind of bumping ideas off other people. Like Reddit was great for me trying to figure out, like, what the hell did I just witness, witness, understand? And trying to figure out all the lore behind it as well because there's a huge amount of lore behind No One's Guy. And everyone plays and kind of thinks Starfighter, shooty, shooty, make bases on planets, there you're done. But there's a huge amount of lore and a huge amount of story to that game. Um, this thing called the Artemis Path, which is basically you're trying to find... A fellow traveler like yourself, uh, called Artemis. And this is uh, this is after credits have rolled. No, it? this, this is, is this is the story. So Artemis is the start of the No Man's Sky story. Okay. So as you first arrive in the world and you you see this this red orb that rises up out of the first thing you touch, basically, um, and it kind of sets the storyline of you know this, there's something out there. There's a mysterious signal that you need to get in touch with, and it turns out it's this alien called Artemis, who's like you, he's a traveler, which is the race of the dollar players plays the anomaly players, um. And like that, he has he's lost, and he's trying to find out where he is, and he can't figure out where he is. He's sh- and everyone who should know him remembers him, but he doesn't remember anyone else. And it's it's a case of a lot of the, the players you come across, like Nada and Polo, were the two travelers who jump between the multiverse for want of a better way of thinking of it. They know everyone because they've seen you in the past, and you'll see them in the future. They're connected to everything kind of thing, and all the different iterations and stuff. And they keep talking about Artemis. It's like, our old Artemis friend, he should know us. Artemis traveler, he should know us. And then you talk to Artemis and he's no clue who anyone else is. He's off as if he's like cut off in a complete bubble to himself. And it's great. You, you follow this whole story. You meet the Atlas, which is this world simulator deity thing that everyone's terrified of. And has supposedly let loose the Sentinels, which is a destroying race that are machines that are trying to wipe out everything kind of thing. And everyone thinks the Atlas is this big, bad, evil thing. But when you actually find out what it is and what its purpose is and where it came from, it's like, Jesus. Like the, the, the thought that went into it. And the, as you can see it from the very start, and you don't realize what that's what that meant. That's what that meant. That's amazing. But then they start bringing out all these DLCs when the game finally finished. And everyone was like, you know, is this it? This, this isn't what we were promised. And then they disappeared for a year or two. And they came back with all these DLCs and made the game into what it should have been and then more and more and more so as far as i'm concerned like after i think the fourth or fifth dlc that's where endgame began because they finally finished the story the way they wanted to finish the story so i think atlas rises was we completely revamped the story played again from the start there's your entire story everything we promised you minus like a dino a diplodocus here and there and so would you consider so and this is an interesting question like or i'm just gonna 
hop on the other side, but would you consider it good DLC if the DLC was just put in there to give you the game you should No, have that's what I mean. The DLC up until Atlas Rises, which I think was the fifth DLC they brought out. By all means, correct me on this with... Uh, give the game and podcast at gmail.com. There we go. There we go. Um, I think it was the fifth. It was definitely Atlas Rise anyway, which kind of like, you know, brought the story to the, the way it was supposed to be. Um, there's a few other bits and pieces that added more into it. But from that point on, yeah, I think that was end credits as such. And right. then everything from then has been DSE, end game, whatever you want to call it kind of thing. And then there's all been all the expeditions as well, which is basically start a new game, create a new character, um, play through this kind of set mission we give you. And then all the rewards from that you can carry back to your main save file and then continue on with all those kind of things. So they, those have been definitely, they're like the end game dungeons you see in other games kind mm-hmm. of thing. So they've been amazing. They've been so much fun to play. I mean, uh, the, the, there's one I'll never forget. You're there playing the mission and you keep hearing this this weird signal that you're trying to pick up on. Okay. And then towards the end, of it, not to spoil anything for anyone, but this is fairly early on in the expeditions kind of thing. Um, you see the Normandy. Just fly, just oh, drift, yeah, yeah. drift little, across with the music playing in the background. It just casually drifts across the sky. And, and it's like, I'm just interested in terms of how they got that in there because No Man's Sky, it's, it's, they're not Bioware, should they not? No, they're not. They're Hello Games, which are completely, they're their own little tiny little they're studio. just like, hey, little Easter egg, here's a little bit of space for you. It's, yeah, I think it's any, like, they've done lots of little mentions here and there, kind of thing, and there's little things thrown in from different different games yeah. and different genres and stuff like that. And yet, again, it's a massive open world space sim and survival game, so you can kind of just, they can put anything in, really, because yeah. it's all these different universes and anything can happen. I I like the way that they actually managed to get to a point where there is what I would consider legitimate DLC for that game, mm. as opposed to DL- like as opposed to updates to give you the game you should have gotten. Because I mean, like I said, it's an amazing redemption story that people actually got what they were promised eventually. But I'm glad that they went beyond that to deliver DLC because you know, at the very least, people deserve the game that they should have gotten. But it's a nice little bonus to think that there yeah, was extra I, bits given thereafter to give you just a yeah, little bit more. Yeah, I think it's a case game. of like you can look at the DLC as just fine tuning the game the way it was meant to be, kind of. Thing, whereas yeah. the expeditions are the the definitive as such DLC to get. And again, like it's it's all handed to you free of charge, kind of thing, which is uh, something I'm always amazed at. Yeah. Here's yeah. our next one free. Here's our next one. Yeah, but it should free. have been should have been. Should have been like like that. It's it, it's that thing where this was what you were promised, and that's where I hope games get better and learn because I'd say for them. What was more expensive? To hold off on the game until you finished it and deliver what people, what you should have done? Exactly, or to yeah. do what you've done this way and kind of just for years just giving out free stuff? I'm kind of like, mm, I hope people are learning from, like from a business model perspective. You know, I'm sure the big wigs in boardrooms want the game released at certain times a year for your end of year, mm. you know. Um, did you do good? Did you do bad in your financial year? But at, this, at the end of the day, it's like, well, look... Nothing, ha- nothing good has ever come from a game being Just released. Been rushed out, like that, yeah, yeah, rushed out. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've all been bad of, stories. You look, look, look at Cyberpunk. I mean, yeah. that had its own little redemption. Took story. it years. Took, took it years yeah, to recover. And it is. And like, I played that recently as well, and I really enjoyed it. And as I, I played it after all this stuff had been added to it, so I have no idea what it was like. And like, beforehand. I've been bitten, and I have the game, the updated version, the PlayStation Five. You know, that Graham is given mm. a shot of uh, anytime he's over. He he plays a little bit of it, but. To me, I don't know if I'll ever get into it because I was bitten so bad. And I would doubt I'm the only person who's like that. Um, oh, I, no, I, I'd I've say seen. there's plenty of people. And it's just, I'm, I'm glad No Man's Sky has actually delivered um, good DLC. But what I was going to say is we, we need an episode by itself for this next game. I'm just going to mention it as an honorable mm. mention before I go into my last one because you and me can do a lot of talking about it. But I think from an endgame perspective, I, and online, when I was looking online, looking at what people's opinions were on, on uh, best DLC, best mm. endgame stuff, 
Monster Hunter World. Oh. Monster Hunter as a series in general is one of the greatest deliverers of endgame content because you get like the credit roll surprisingly early in those mm. games in terms of, oh, I finished the story. Yeah. And, you know, we'll go into it in, in greater depth, I'm sure, in terms of why it's so much fun. But to think that we did the end game and then spent, you know, the guts of a year during COVID continuing playing that game and it was new stuff and great stuff and interesting stuff and like, oh, the next thing, the next big thing, the next big thing. And I'm like, when is this game actually... <laughs> when do I stop <laughs> seeing new things in this game? And it was one of the greatest delivers. But one, before we finish up, because we are, we are getting close to that time and I want to talk a little bit about this one. One of the greatest DLCs, I think, brought into a game from my perspective i'm not saying it is the greatest dlc but red dead redemption one was an incredible game for them to turn that wild west into undead redemption oh, undead ah oh, that was and it's not just a it's not just like a, a a cheat code that you switch on and loads of people become zombies and that's the skit it was a whole other parts of the game that it, you, you could play it I think there there was people online who said you, you can play it at a certain point um, there's a, I forget the character's name but he's kind of like a Gollum-esque character in mm. the original Red Dead he's not very trustworthy he's kind of a, a a vagrant or whatever else and in the you know he's a bit mad in the main game and there's a point I think in the main game where he dies but there's a point where he's like he's in a hidey hole somewhere mixing things and drinking things that he shouldn't oh and you can yeah you can um, pick it up from that point and then start playing the undead redemption and it's almost as if it like he creates something that makes every in my head i'm not i'm not saying it's canon but it's how i deliver the story um but he ends up because he's so crazy he ends up kind of he's a really thin fella the way it's the kind of the the dungaree thing and he's all like all his clothes are all haggard and like the zombies don't attack him he's kind of got control over them and stuff but that game it was an entirely different game with this DLC that they brought out and it didn't do anything to the map. Um, they just put an extra couple of missions in it and all the missions still had the same beats, you know, mm. go here, shoot them. Um, but the fact that they turned the Wild West, which was a great Wild West that they created, into this undead Wild West, because we at this point we hadn't seen uh, a zombie apocalypse in the Wild West. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's one of the few places we haven't seen Yeah, that was... And so, th- so this this form of media was, I think, the first big introduction to zombies in the West that I can really think of myself. I'm sure I'm sure there's, there's probably something out there that exists beforehand. But it changed the game entirely in that rather than it being a gunslinging, fun time, I'm John Morrison kicking ass, it was actually a very spooky, unsettling game to I, play thereafter. I will never forget playing that game the first time I was playing it, and there is a bridge in it that is so reminiscent of the one from Sleepy Hollow. Uh, yeah, I- Ichabod yeah, yeah. Cranes. And it's got the, the roof head, on yeah, it. The, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the headless horseman kind of thing. And I remember playing that, and at the time, I was being chased by so many zombies. And I'd, I'd, I'd out of ammo and pretty much everything at this stage. And I was yeah. like just legging it and constantly running my sprint bar down. And I remember getting to that point and turning around, and that moment where they were already on top of me. And I yeah. had literally... No, I remember firing off like two rounds before this horde just kind of completely go. And it's me. so spooky because it's, the, it's, they chase you on horseback or otherwise they chase you. You could look back and you can see hordes. And it's not like Daisy hordes, like the stupid fucking... There's a million things <laughs> yeah, chasing yeah. you. It's like, holy crap, there's like nine zombies chasing me. And that's enough. That's enough. Like that's enough yeah. to scare the living shit out of me. But what was great about that game was it, like it added all these normal Red Dead Redemption um, beats into it. So mm. there was loads of new collectibles. But... Red Dead Redemption 1 had lots of hunting and then when you hunted certain animals you would hunt um, kind of legendary animals or mythical yeah, creatures. the ultimate version of that yeah. particular And batch. then in this one they introduced Sasquatch <laughs> that you could go and hunt. Like one of the things there are 10 Sasquatches in the world and you go hunt them and 
I remember going into the forest around the, the world map, trying to find these Sasquatches and, you know, actually being really spooked because they were like big, hulking, giant walking apes in the forest that just shouldn't be there. Yeah, yeah, the way yeah. they moved was unsettling. The noises they made was unsettling. And then getting into a fight with them was quite scary because they were incredibly powerful and one hit from them would generally speak kill you on the spot. Yeah. But it changed the game entirely. I was playing this Wild West Gunslinging game and all of a sudden I'm actually playing a scary, spooky, like horror survival and game. And that was the thing. I mean, I always remember those kind of games that the worst thing you could ever come across was a bear because that was kind of like the, the thing that it destroy you on the spot kind of thing but this was like a bear that was smart and was hunting you while you were hunting it yeah oh i don't like this anymore so unsettling (laughs) and one of the the biggest um i think you know money grabbers that rockstar missed out on and i'm surprised because they are a bit money grabbing as a as Mm. a company these days with like kind of how gta 5 plays out and microtransactions blah 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 but it would have been an absolute bestseller to make an undead redemption to in the Arthur Morgan world of Red Dead Redemption 2, why they didn't do the exact same thing. Like, make it zombies, give us loads of zombies, give us extra quests, make it spooky, give us other collectibles. But I found, though, with the Red Dead Redemption 2, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I, I, I played the main game, which was obviously incredible. Absolutely yep. loved it. Storyline for that was amazing. Playing the online of that, I didn't... I played it a bit. Like I know, I I think by the time I started playing with you guys, I just kind of hit the point of I don't want to play as anymore solo because, yep. like that, you're doing the the, the moonshine runs, so that it's yep. impossible solo. You were doing some of the other missions; they're impossible solo. The bounties next to impossible solo. Um, but from what I remember, didn't they kind of just like DLC for that just petered off for the yeah, online anyway? No, so GTA Five and like you know, kudos to them because it paid dividends, and I guess it was the right decision at the end of the day, much to the chagrin of the. Red Dead Redemption 2 mm. fans, they put all the money and all the development into GTA 5, which was an absolute hit because it's yeah. still one of the best-selling games in the world and it's fucking, I don't know how many years old it is now. It's across three consoles now. Yeah, stage. exactly. Across three generations and it's still madly popular. Yeah. But it's, I get, you know, they didn't, they didn't support Red Dead Redemption 2 online at all. But no. I, I'm not talking about making that online. I wouldn't want it online. Just give me the the one player story. <laughs> oh, I get you. Know? you. Yeah, in the like, solo I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It'd, it'd be it'd be hella fun running around with your mates and having zombies chase and stuff like that. But that's not what that's not the version that I would. I mean, yeah. if that's the version I got, I wouldn't have complained because I, I just I, wanted. I could it never format. see them making it in the because Rockstar have gone so much for the. There was so many. Yeah. There was so many little hints, though, Andrew, when you played through the game because the game had all these. Like I said, the most lived-in open world I've hmm. ever played. But I had all these things where, like, I remember, uh, and accidental, I didn't go online. That was the great thing about it. You didn't have yeah. to go online oftentimes because the world was so lived and you'd come across so many um, uh, things. But I remember being walking into a house uh, at, at nighttime one time, uh, just out in the wild, and there's loads of skeletons in bed, and you can read a little sheet, and apparently they were a cult pl- praying to some, like, no, definitely like an alien name. yeah. And uh, they'd all drunk something. They all died because that was the drink that they were meant to help their soul get, you know, brought up to the whoever in the sky. And while it was there in this thing, a massive light just turned on onto the house. And I ran outside, and it was a UFO. Yeah. And this UFO, you know, hovers Did off there and then, just... and then flies off. And then there's like a ghost train. There was all these little nods to like the scary or the horror or whatever else that I was like, you guys really missed a genuine opportunity, I believe. Because I mean, fuck, you could have charged me and you could have charged me 40 quid for that and I would have paid I it. I honestly think had that have launched, I mean, if you think of the Bayou area, 
uh, at the night. The bio area is that scary enough as it is. terrifying yeah. at night yeah. on its own. Imagine zombies it, coming out of the swamp at you. I genuinely don't think I would have Zombie crocodiles, Andrew. Yeah. Zombie crocodiles. Like, the, you know, <laughs> such a wasted opportunity. And I think that's the, you know, one of my favorite DLCs of all time, Undead Redemption. Yeah. One of the greatest misses in video game DLC of all time, Undead, Undead Redemption, Redemption 2. 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... I think that's a good a good spot to leave this episode. Yeah, hundred percent. That was yeah. And for those of you who are listening, uh, thank you very much. Uh, there is, like I said, a truckload of uh, bonus content you can listen to if you go to patreon.com forward slash the gift of gaming. And for the cost of a coffee a month, there's uh, four extra little uh, post show chats that you can get involved in. And today, after the show, myself and Andrew are going to talk about some of our favorite video game boss fights. Do you want to hear about that? Get on to patreon.com for slash gift a game and give it a listen. Uh, Andrew, thanks a mil for, for hopping on. Always, thanks Appreciate for having it. me. And uh, to all our listeners out there, keep enjoying the gift that is gaming. Peace out. Later, folks.